The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, one and all. We are eight days away from the start of the NBA season official countdown mode. We are really in it now, folks. It is the 14th of December, and it's all happening at the same time. Boy, if you're not prepared for this one, you're going to get steamrolled. So hopefully we're helping on that front here on the podcast. And with that, I'll give you today's rundown. First, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I know there are new listeners among you because there was uh, an outpouring of support, of love for our show on Friday. That was one of the most fun combo shows that I think I've ever put together on this pod. I generally roll out one guest per show, but we're in this time of year where things are changing so frequently that, you know, sleepers might not be sleepers by three days later. Mock results might not make any sense by three days later. So I just threw it all together into one megapod, and you got Josh Lloyd, and you got the great Aaron Bruski, our founder, on Friday's show, and it is already by the way, and it's only Monday, meaning a lot of you still haven't found it. It is already the most listened to episode of this podcast ever. Ever. Not by a ton right now. Um, Just for those who like to play this game, it is approximately 2% past the show uh, I did with Aaron Bruski on October 11th last year. I can actually sort by that stuff which is (laughs) kind of fun. Uh, But that also means, you know, that show has had a year for people to find it, and this show's had two and a half days. So uh, thank you, everyone, for making Friday's episode the most listened to episode of this podcast ever, and I'm assuming that's going to keep on growing, and I hope some of you will stick around and listen to additional episodes. So please do subscribe to the show. Just click that button. It means an enormous amount. If you like what you're getting, drop a five-star review on the show. Uh, and I will, I, I will love you forever. It's, it's that simple. I, I mean, you can, you can beat me down, but if you subscribe and drop a five-star review, I will love you forever. I'll just keep coming back. So welcome. Thank you. All that good stuff. You guys are the best. Uh, let's dive right into today's show. The rundown. We have, I, I've been, and I don't know why I did it this way, but I, I, I sort of dodged doing the actual mock result show of the mock that we're breaking down. I don't I don't know why I did it that way. Um but for some reason I did. I just we we were working on other stuff. We had the uh we we had the divisions to break down and so I ended up talking to all these pros and we've been rolling out their mock analysis of their individual teams, but you guys never actually saw the results or heard them straight through chronologically. So we're going to get into that today. We also have uh, a chat with my good buddy, Jonas Nader. We recorded that last week. Gosh, I think we recorded that like six days ago now. So hopefully it still makes sense. Jonas drafting out of the six hole in that mock draft. So you'll hear some of his picks today. Uh, we have a a sort of last call, a couple of things going on. But I, I want to make sure that we dive right into it today because one of the things, and we have so many things going on here as we roll up to the season that the show itself ends up getting pushed back a tiny bit. I will say that this is a hoopball presentation. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. They're hoopball fantasy on Twitter. Please, please, please follow me on social media. I do so much work over there at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you can spell it, you can find me, or you can just Google search Dan from Hoopball. It pops right up. Uh, I've been answering questions all weekend long. They're fast and they're furious. People want to know how their drafts went. They have questions about players, teams, ranks, all that's good stuff. I am locked in on Twitter almost every second of every day, at least when I'm at my computer. This is a very important time for it. Uh, I want to be there for all of you guys, so... Please do hit me up. Again, that's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. Tell you some of the other reasons to hit me up later on in the show. I want to dive straight in and talk to one of my best buds 
in the this whole fantasy landscape, the great Jonas Nader. Well, after wasting 20 minutes off air, it's not a waste, catching up. It's catching up. I, I realize we probably should have just been having our conversations while I was recording. This is one of my favorite human beings in the fantasy world in general, actually. And since I don't see human beings anymore, it was really nice to talk to another person. The great Jonas Nader. I'm just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say, man. How are you? It's so good to talk to you again. Good, man. Well, I don't know what to say either because I've lost all my social skills over the pandemic. <laughs> like, talking this morning on a live drive, I was like, wait, what am I even doing? Why are there people on my screen? What, what's going on? It's like, so hard. It's so hard to like, talk to humans. Isolation. It's been so hard. But, yeah, and especially me being a germaphobe. Like, oh, at yeah. the beginning of the pandemic, man, I was, like, looking up a window at the mailman. I was like, does he have the virus? Oh, like, he had it. He definitely had it. <laughs> there's no there's no question. Whatever you were doing was the right decision there. I'm, I'm 100% with you. We probably shouldn't talk about this or we're going to go deep into a rabbit hole right. where you and I agree and everyone else is like, oh, those guys are nuts. But, uh, yeah, we've been, like, crazy bubbled up over here pretty much the entire way through. I mean, we both have uh family that are in the medical field so i feel like maybe that has some bearing on it but regardless it's nice to hear you guys are hanging in there we're all sort of doing our best uh at jonas nader it's that's an easy one you, you know you guys all know jonas we uh we do a show with bogman the real big three that'll be starting uh three weeks from tomorrow and then you and i get to talk to each other a bunch all the damn time that's the good stuff uh, but the reason you're on this show right now, in addition to, you know, just uh, talking to another person who is equally awkward talking to other people right now, is to go over the results of our industry mock draft, a nine-cat roto draft we had on December the 1st. That was a Tuesday. Uh, Jonas, you were drafting, you were typing in the chat room, but you were also on child care duty, so you couldn't pop on the webcam for fear of disaster striking. Were you aware that you were being trolled at every single pick? Um, yes, because I had the YouTube video on in the background, and I guess saw Kyle just laughing, like, menacingly every time he has to pick. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Jonas mad right here. But yeah, I was, I was giving my, my wife the William Wallace hold sign with the kids, because they were being so loud. It's like, hold. But man, if I had flipped the camera on, people would have think this was a madhouse, so I'm glad I didn't. That's all of our houses right now, though. Like, it's, it's, yep. it's so crazy. My, I'm... I guess I'm lucky that I already had my office slash studio slash bedroom all wedged into one corner here. So I didn't have to change much other than now, like, there's constantly the sound of, of what sounds like bombs exploding on the other side of the bedroom door. Uh, we are both members of the, the two-child household now, and it's just, it's pandemonium all the time. You know what I feel like, Jonas? I feel like I spend every second of every day cleaning up after somebody now when the hell did that happen <laughs> to make matters worse by the way i'm living with my parents we're renting a house together we're both building a house in this neighborhood that we were moving to like two hours away so to add on to the noise i have two parents back here with me it's just it's chaos here well at least they can get it they are in your bubble with you right like you don't have to worry about that element well honestly we think we had covid way back in december do you remember when i tweeted out that my whole family was going to the er oh, with like yeah. 104 degree fevers and like we had like we've had the flu before. That wasn't the flu, but we had we had like chest infections. Like I was, I couldn't move for like a month. I was ex extremely fatigued, couldn't get out of bed. We think we may have been exposed to it in December, which is crazy looking back. Because at the time we were like, okay, this is just flu. We'll just rest it up. But I could not like get out of bed. I was like, what's going on? Why am I so tired all the time? That was mainly that. my only symptom. But it was insane. Like how like I couldn't do anything. You really might have. I, I'm I'm actually relatively certain that someone in my not in this my immediate household. I don't know, but I I think that it's, yeah. it's possible my mom might have had it. She had like a full multi week uh, heart palpitations, kind of cough and fever and stuff. So right. it's hard to know. But we're again we're all kind of doing the best we can. Let's dive into this thing. First round of the mock draft, Jonas. You had pick number six, and you surprised the draft room by taking Jason Tatum over some of the more familiar top six names like Luka and Jokic who went right after you. I actually don't think you're as insane as everybody in the video did. Um, right. he's, he's shown himself to be quite durable. Uh, this is a nine-cat roto mock, which I know everybody's in love with Luka right now. There are some holes in his game for nine-category leagues. And so, I, yeah. you know, I feel like the, the decision there was kind of Tatum or Jokic. 
So my question for you is, how did you go, Jason, over uh, Nikola? So Tatum and Jokic are neck and neck for me. Like, they're inseparable. The reason I didn't go Luka is free throws and turnovers, but I don't want to handicap myself right away in the first round because that would be foolish. I'm getting a player who's only 21 years old. He averaged 23-7-4 with awesome percentages, 2.3 stocks and 2.3 triples. Um, I think he's going to be the point forward in Boston this year. Last year, his um, pick-and-roll numbers, he tripled them. 5.9 pick-and-roll possessions per game as the ball handler, and he ranked in the 88th percentile. And what's what's next? Without Kimba, who's probably going to miss a month and maybe more games after that with the load management, uh, Tatum's usage was 32% without Kimba off the floor. Mm. Would, is so there, we're looking at... Sorry, go ahead. Like you said, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, is there any... Is there any spot in a draft you'd actually draft Kemba Walker right now? I don't know that there is for me. Well, I did in this draft, so you can make fun <laughs> of me later. <laughs> I guess that's true. That was uh, near 100, by the way, and we'll, we'll get there in a yeah. minute. Okay, so I guess that's the answer to that question. Good looking ahead, Dan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, like, looking back at last year, if you... I'm going to try to pull the uh, the bubble games out of my the stats that I'm looking at here. Uh, by total, Tatum was number nine last year, and a couple guys in front of him that likely won't be this season, uh, Hassan Whiteside, I, I don't think Chris Paul is in front of Jason Tatum this year, LeBron, there are rest issues there. If you just pulled yeah. those guys out, Tatum's at number six, but of course, Jokic was one of the guys in front of him by totals last year, so yeah. how, how did you veer away from Jokic in this particular draft? Um, I would have no issue going with Jokic. The only reason I didn't, it's because I like a lot of big men in like rounds three, four, yeah, five. Yeah, I'm so glad you said yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like the sweet spot for big men this year, too. Plus, I love getting Nurk. Whenever I can get Nurk or Christian Wood and obviously the JJJs, like I'm, I'm all in. So that's kind of my thing. It's so hard to find a dominant fantasy wing that doesn't rest. Like you have Kawhi, rest issues. Paul George shot like 19% in the playoffs. I'm being harsh, but um, <laughs> Giannis, I don't want to punt three categories. Like, there's just so many questions with those wing players. So I just wanted to get a dominant wing early and just see how this build goes. Yeah, I got no problem with it, or at least certainly way less than anyone else. The, the draft room went nuts at that one, and I didn't yep. think it was that crazy. I mean, it was like maybe I probably would have gone Jokic, but I think I'd go Tatum right after that. So I I, yeah. I don't have the issues there. If that I was other playing for did. my life, if I was playing for my life, I would go Jokic. But I just wanted to try out a build with Tatum as, as the, the elite wing that doesn't rest. I like it. I like it. Uh, round two, you did something that I've actually been looking at, although I, I will say maybe a little earlier than he's been going, not that he would get back to you in the third round, and uh, right. you went Kyrie Irving at, now I've lost track of the number that we're at here. Is this uh, 19? 19. 19. Yep. He's been going about uh, half round-ish later than that. Um, mm -hmm. Listen, I, I feel like a lot of people will kill you again for this, and I'm not one of those people. I've actually talked about I think Kyrie might be an interesting value in drafts this year. Um, explain to me how you get over the injury and rest fear with Kyrie, because that's the hurdle I'm having. Well, you don't. <laughs> like, this guy, <laughs> the guy averages like 54 games per season for his career, but he does have a reason to try this year. Kevin Durant's back. The Nets are projected to be one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, looking back at last year, the first back-to-back -back of the Nets season, he did not sit which I think is a very good green flag for this year. So maybe they don't load management too much. Now, I do expect, like Steve Nash has already said, Kyrie is not playing the 72 games. If he hits that 65-game sweet spot, I think this is an insane value because last year he was the sixth-best player in per-game value. Um, he's going to be more efficient. The Nets are going to be doing that. Uh, they said seven seconds or less offense, but they've been talking about six seconds or less oh offense. Oh, my so God. Even if they see, yeah, they see a little bit of that. Like that's hopefully the pace increase will offset the dip next to KD. So I'm really excited about Kyrie, which makes me feel uneasy because he's probably my least liked player on the court, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I got you're you. are not a big fan. Yeah. Uh, so that's my thought process there. Were you planning on taking Shea in this draft before you got trolled in the second round? Yes, and I thought I was going to get Shea in the third round comfortably, but I forgot Kyle is also a huge fan. So that kind of that kind of threw me off a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> But yeah, the only other player, I really don't like the second round this year, though. The only really, only player I would have considered there was Devin Booker, who was already gone. Uh, and then Donovan Mitchell, who went a few spots later. I'm and looking. I, like I said earlier, if I was drafting for my life, I think I would actually consider Donnie over Kyrie just to play it safe, even though he's not as valuable per game. 
just more durable and got the upside of a young player. But that was my thought process for Kyrie. Not happy about it, but not mad about it either. Yeah, he has a, he has a chance to beat that. And there, frankly, there aren't that many guys as you get past him where you're like, this dude could actually put up per game numbers in the top 10. And so yeah. if you're willing to roll the dice a little bit, this is a scary year to roll the dice. But again, this is yes. a mock draft. So you try a, a few things out and see what sticks. Third round. Uh, this would be pick number 30. I can do that math. That's an easy one for me. Brandon Ingram at 30, who's actually kind of been falling in drafts this year. This is earlier than he usually goes. I'm going to ask you less can a question say, about where... Like, he, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to yeah. say, why do you think he's falling? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I came into this year thinking I wouldn't be drafting Ingram, and then they got rid of Drew Holiday, and I just I looked at the numbers, and it just screamed upside for me. Um, with Drew Holiday off the court, and they added Bledsoe, who's not a big high-usage guy, so I'm not really... A, expecting much there but with drew holiday off the court brandon ingram's assist percentage goes from 16 percent to 25 percent. that's going to be like three more dimes a game um he's been probably the second buzziest player behind lonzo ball at training camp when you talk when you listen to stan van gundy um jj reddick had an interesting comment they want brandon ingram to be the triple double guy hmm. they want him to be the guy you know how steven adams used to always pad westbrook's stats by letting him get the rebound yep of course they want, him, they want Adams to do that for Zion and Ingram and push the ball. So we could be talking about a 25-9-9 and guy, and he actually steals the ball and blocks shots. Block shots a little bit now, and he's a good three-point shooter. We hate, like, we're Lakers fans. Ingram could not shoot early in his career, and it just bothered me because he, he was decent at Duke. But now that he's a, a shooter, there's not really any glaring holes in this game besides turnovers. And since I had Kyrie and Tatum, who are not high turnover players, players like I feel good about taking him here um the other thing that always weirded me out with Ingram is that he has the wingspan of a of a pterodactyl but didn't really <laughs> get defensive stats until this past yeah. I mean the, the leap that he took was so extraordinary I, I actually think the way that you phrased that paralleled what's been going on in my in my gut a little bit which is like well there's no way I'm gonna end up with Brandon Ingram this year because he was right. number 22 last season he's gonna go like close to where you took him here uh, and I, you know, I'm probably looking for him to go a little bit deeper than that. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at these ADPs. Yahoo ADP has him in like the late 30s. Sometimes he's slipping into the 40s. I'm thinking, okay, I get it. Like he wasn't as good with Zion, but he was still 22 in totals last year pre bubble. That's that's pretty damn yeah. good. And like you said, Drew gone. Uh, that's a that's a big usage guy out of the way. I do feel like there's going to be some kind of chemistry with Zion that we didn't see kind of in a small sample size. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I may end up with Ingram after assuming there was kind of no chance I would. Do we even need to talk about your fourth-round pick? Because everybody knows who it is. Okay, so I took Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously. <laughs> now, I've done, a... I think I've done three drafts since, and I think the sweet spot for JJJ this year is the fifth round. So I think I was around too early. Yeah, um, well, I the mean, I, about is, the injury, the injury stuff, right? Right, right, exactly. So we don't know. It, like, the, the Grizzlies are terrible at transparency with injuries. The only thing we've gotten out of them is he's going to be out for, quote, a minute, end quote, a minute. So <laughs> we're left to decipher what that means. Um, I'm guessing mid-January return. I don't know about where your thoughts on that are. I'm probably dodging it. Those the the beginning of the season injuries scare the living daylights out of me. It just it feels yeah. like stuff always ends up lingering. Guys come back too soon. They do something else that screws them up. So I'm probably not. Which I guess is maybe I'm oversimplifying this this decision. But I'm probably just not drafting him and saying you know what if he comes back early, someone's going to be reaping the fat rewards. But there's so many other guys available here. Like, if you're looking at the guys around him in the fourth round, even in this mock draft, you know, Demonis Sabonis is still on the board. Uh, well, I guess Middleton went two slots in front of him. JV, yeah. Jalen Brown, LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, there's a lot of guys where you're not really worried quite the same way about when the season's going to start. And in a short year, every game is just a tiny bit more important. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I truthfully, Jonas, I hadn't thought that much about when he's coming back because... As soon as I heard he ain't he ain't starting the year, I thought, all right, well, I guess that's you know I'll just make it easy on myself and I'll push him off to the side. Right, and in a way, I'm kind of glad I've moved him back to the fifth round for me. That's kind of like my sweet spot in non-ringer leagues because you guys are all experts. So I kind of like I figured I had to reach a little bit just to grab him. Um, but dude, I, I love him so much. Obviously, second player in history <laughs> to average 2.5 triples and 1.5 blocks at 20 years old. The other is KD in his prime. Hmm. Uh, and in the bubble, 25 points per game, 3.3 triples. 
uh, 1.3 steals and 1.7 blocks. And one hidden wrinkle that I think a lot of people are missing out on is Taylor Jenkins, coach uh, Giannis in Milwaukee. He's pulling out the Giannis point forward package for JJJ this year. Is what he said at the end of the bubble last year. So I'm excited to see what that's all about. Uh, JJJ in very, very small samples. Like I'm talking microscopic is like a 90th percentile as a pick and roll guy. We've only seen a few possessions, so obviously small sample size. But he does have that ability to put put people on the dribble. Like he takes guys from from. I remember him doing it to LeBron James, just like smoking them to the rim. So he has that tool in his bag. So I'm excited about it, man. I just if if this is a mid January return for JJJ, I think fourth round is very viable. Yeah, if he can get back, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's exactly. the, that's the thing. That's the 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 big issue there is do we think it's going to pan out and i'm just i'm too nervous i'm a nervous i'm i'm like filbert from rocco's modern life the whole thing just makes me nauseated <laughs> uh the next pick yep. the, i feel like there's a story around this one I, I was producing the video cast and you you've watched it back so you can now clear this up you drafted mitchell robinson uh in the fifth round and then the whole chat yelled at me that it was auto picked and i should roll it back so i rolled it back and then you went mitchell robinson again and i thought <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I, I'm, you know, I'm producing. I'm, I'm getting yelled at. What am I supposed to do? Uh, <laughs> they were all acting like this was completely insane. This is not completely insane. This is pick 54 for a guy who yeah. was better than that last year and now yeah. has, like, there's only one center he's competing with instead of six. So why, yep. why, why was everybody yelling at me? I don't want to be yelled at. I'm not sure because I think I drafted him at his floor. So here's my thinking. Last year, he was 51st, which is at three spots ahead of this, and only 23 minutes. Like, yeah, by the way, he also the, played the, 61 of their games pre-bubble. He was yeah. 34 by totals last year. What was everybody yeah. freaking... Sorry, go ahead. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. And, like, so the big conspiracy this year is, hey, Nerlens Noel might start. Okay, that might be true initially, but he's still going to play more. Also, one big bounce-back appeal here is Mitchell Robinson's block rate dropped from 10 to 8% last year. So if we get even a tiny bit of positive regression, like this is a third round player. Yeah, I, in I mean, my opinion. This is all the whole thing is insane. I I've been yelling on this show about how I feel like Mitchell Robinson is is actually turning out to be one of the safest picks in drafts this year and I yeah. I don't know. I I mean I I listened to the people in the in the video chat. They said, "Oh, he auto draft. He didn't want that guy." And then clearly you did and even as I was looking at it, I was like, why is everybody losing their minds right now? This is this is where he's going. This isn't crazy. This, anyway, yeah, and he fits I, my build really well, too. A low turnover build. Uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting the blocks here. I'm, I'm getting the field goal percentage to offset Jaron Jackson because he takes a lot of threes. So I think it's a good, I think it's were, a good build so, uh, so far. What were you thinking when suddenly it got rolled back one pick? What, what, what was going through your mind? Were you like, what the hell is Dan doing right now? I was just wondering if, if everyone thought I was crazy, like you just said. People think I'm reaching here. I mean, people were taking him in the first Bogman. Remember when Bogman took him in the first? Round oh yeah, we definitely need you know to. What? We definitely <laughs> need to crush him for that on uh, the first real big three because that's that's like the thing now. He's on the Mitchell Robinson wearing it tour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> love that. But yeah, I thought people thought I was crazy for taking him there, but I love him in the fifth round, man. I think that's a steal. At sixty-seven, am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yep. Uh, coming back in the sixth round. Lonzo Ball, um, love this pick also, actually. Uh, feel like he should be going earlier. He was a second or third round guy when Zion joined that team, and they yeah. cleared the main roadblock out of the way for him this season. What's, how does it, okay, you know what, I'm going to ask you a different question. I'll play a little devil's advocate here. How does this okay. pick go wrong? How does this pick not pan out for you? Ooh, Lonzo's injury history. We all seen him as a Laker. It was very, very, uh, had those Dorito ankles. Uh, never really looked right. But since he went to the Pelicans, like we saw last year at the very beginning, his three-point shot is working for him now. Uh, like you said, Drew is gone. Um, the first thing Stan Van Gundy said in his press conference was that Lonzo's getting the keys. Um, and last year, he had a top 50 stretch in nine catches. 25 games with decent 11.5 points 7.8 assists 6.5 rebounds 1.6 deals one blocks 2.4 triples just ignore their percentages because i feel like they're such low volume that they don't really hurt you like i think he had two free throw attempts maybe three if i'm getting that right i think it might have even so been that less. doesn't really bother me <laughs> yeah so that doesn't bother me at all i think that's kind of like a reason people might fade them accidentally just because i see those percentages oh i gotta stay away from that i don't want to punt free throws it doesn't matter two attempts a game come on but so I love the I love the peripheral stats he has, and plus assists. 
I did this the positional scarcity thing this year. Assists are going to be like very very hard to find, especially after two rounds. So getting Alonso here, I think, is a really good value. Yeah, I wonder, you know, this year feels like it's turning out to be the year where the general public finally kind of turns on a bunch of guys, and some of them deserve it, and some of them don't. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was talking to Alex Rickling on on our pod hit about Blake Griffin going at basically pick 100 this year. You know, the, the public finally turned on Blake Griffin in, in fantasy drafts, and it kind of feels a little bit like people turned on Lonzo Ball. Everybody's like, oh, I'm taking Lonzo 45 or 50 the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and now... And this is not that big of a drop, you know, to you know, 60s, 70s range, but it's it's weird to see it go in the other direction. It always surprises me what it takes to finally get the general public to sour on a particular player. I don't I don't really understand like what led to it with Lonzo Ball here, but it does seem like there's a little bit of a post-hype thing going on. Uh, yeah, I think a Dow performance in the bubble kind of hurt him here. For his ADP, I should say. Oh, anyway. yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, round mm-hmm. seven, and again, I'm sort of losing track. I believe this is number 78 now. Uh, Mikael Bridges in Phoenix. They uh, Three weeks ago, we could have done this draft, and he might not have gone quite so high. Phoenix clearing out uh, wing stuff in their acquisition of Chris Paul. Bridges always quietly putting up really nice roto stuff. He's, he's just prototypical roto guy, isn't he? Yeah, and I've heard. I think I've heard you. I think I've heard Brew, and I think maybe Bogman said this, but he is the second coming of Robert Covington. Last year, yeah. top thirty player in nine cat over his last five point four points, four point two rebounds, two point three assists, one point five steals, point nine blocks, and one point five triples. And the hitch in his jumper, uh, you saw it at the beginning of the year last year. It's gone though. Like he had a very very ugly hitch in his uh, three point shot, and it's finally starting to work it out. So. I love Mikel Bridges, and I think he's very affordable in drafts, too. Like, 7th or 8th round should be there. I know people don't always go to totals in how they rank guys. Per game does generally make more sense. But to me, in a, in a shortened season where you, you really need to maximize what you're getting out of your better draft picks, it's worth pointing out that Bridges played in every single Suns game last year, and he was number mm-hmm. 44 yep. pre-bubble. Some of that, again, just because of durability, which in my estimation now you can kind of call the 10th category. Like if a guy's going to stay on the floor, that's yeah. now worth something in the NBA. So, uh, yeah. yeah, not not uh, I-, I can dig it. I You know, he's he's long been a, a guy you and I and, and Bogman we've talked about on the Real Big Three for feels like now a couple of years. Although I legitimately, Jonas, I have no idea what year it is or how long uh, it's been <laughs> since we talked about basketball. All right, so the next one, the eighth-round pick is where we get the answer to the question, how far does Kemba Walker have to fall before someone in an industry draft takes him? And the answer is almost to number 100. I think this is around 90 or so. Um, I mean, is this just a, like, you know, it's 9-cat roto, it's games capped. Maybe he plays 40 games, but 40 games out of Kemba Walker when you're drafting near pick 100, you just fill it in around him at this point. I don't know if you could possibly take him in a head-to-head league, could you? Uh, no. Uh, here's my thinking here. I think Walker's ceiling is probably top 40. So I'm getting him at 91, factoring in that he's going to miss a month. And my thinking is, I already have JJJ, he's probably going to miss a month as well. If I can just get through these this first month of the season, and I have Kimba and JJJ coming back, then I have two top 50 guys back on my roster. So I think if I just hold on for the first few weeks, stash these guys in IR, I think I'll be okay. Like, I, I'm not, I don't love the pick. I don't think this is the best pick of the round by any chance, by any means, but 91, it just, feel, it just feels okay. So I'll, I'll, you know, looking at, yeah, I mean, you have a, I'll give you this much as I love a lot of these names, you do have a little bit of a risky team with Kyrie, JJJ and Kemba. Uh, but again, it's a mock draft. It's a mock draft. Yeah. You probably don't stack three risky guys in your top eight picks in like, if you were playing for many thousands of dollars or something like that, but screw it. It's an opportunity here to, pick some right. guys to talk about guys with interesting upsides or downsides and it makes for good podcast fodder uh, i was honestly eyeing De- dejounte murray who went right before that and then ricky rubio as well i think rubio is kind of sneaky in minnesota yeah I, I like my i like me some dejounte murray also i said <laughs> it's a nice one yeah. um number ninth round jared allen who uh this is actually a good one i, I I'm, I'm interested in your take on this because i'm i'm actually kind of flipping back and forth at times in my mind like it it feels like KD and Kyrie want to force the Nets to play DeAndre Jordan, who is getting old and certainly doesn't have the athleticism he used to. I guess the question here, and maybe you can help me answer this, is what is it going to take 
for Brooklyn to finally say, look, the young guy's the better option right now. How, how far does it go before DeAndre gets put in the back seat? I, I don't I don't have the answer to that question. I think they're going to start him just to make Kyrie and Kevin Durant uh, happy. But here's the thing. DeAndre Jordan can't jump over a credit card anymore. You've no. seen him with his block rate. Yeah. I think that they're going to start DeAndre and just give him like that 18, 20 minute roll. And then I think Allen comes in for 26 minutes. He plays with the second unit. We know they want to run fast. So you put Allen with Levert and Dinwiddie, and you're getting easy looks at the rim. Uh, and we saw an element to Allen's game that we haven't seen before in the bubble where he was averaging four assists per game. Like, he does have some hidden upside there. And the only reason he wasn't ranked higher last year was because of his free throw percentage, which completely tanked, which was very odd. Mm. He's actually a, a decent jump shooter. So... Some positive regression from his free throw percentage. I think he actually gets two more minutes per game than he got last year. And the hidden, I think the, the absolute hidden factor here is, is he traded to Houston? Yeah, there's the one. That's the that's the big question. I was gonna I was gonna yeah. be my follow up question for you. If he gets traded, then who knows? Although that was a much more interesting question two weeks ago before the Rockets brought in two exactly. centers. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I guess do any have so to go back? I don't understand contracts. The contracts of it all confuse me. I feel like the Rockets are desperately holding out for a Philly offer, aren't they? I think they have to because there's just nothing that they can get from the other side. I, I want to ask you this real quick. I don't have Harden as a number one guy anymore. I think I think something's very fishy there. Oh, it's bad. I think this. This reminds me so much of the Jimmy Butler in Minnesota situation where they ended up sitting in for random games. Yeah, I'm I'm genuinely concerned. trade value intact and so he doesn't get hurt. Totally. I'm I'm genuinely concerned we see a football-style holdout that Harden might not start yeah. the year playing just for the hell of it. Like, the quotes that are coming out from Steven Silas are brutal. The quote from yes, PJ... Even the, the non-quote from PJ Tucker. This is PJ Tucker yeah. we're talking about. This is, like, the most respected liked hard worker type in the entire NBA. It was just like, oh, you know, I only I only speak for PJ Tucker. That was his answer about James Harden. That dude, he's he's created the uh the discomfort that he feels he needs to to get out of that place. But I don't know. I mean if I'm Houston, if this year is going down the toilet anyway, I'm gonna try to hold out until I can get something from Philly. I'm not gonna rush it. I completely it. agree. Harden's under contract for two more guaranteed years, and then that massive player option. So, what's the rush if you're Houston? You wanna get, you wanna get the best package available. Screw where James Harden tells you he wants to go. You gotta do what's best for your franchise. Yeah. And just get the best available return. And by the way, we both floated this idea. What is stopping OKC next year from grabbing Harden with one of their? <laughs> I mean, one of their many of 18 picks. What is it in the next six years? I think they have and 20 then pairing now. Him with SGA, and you have a contender right there. That would so, be amazing. You got to do something. Yep. I, you can't use all of those picks. You can't even have that exactly. many people on your roster. Go. The Celtics learned that the hard way. The Celtics had like 15 first round picks over the last four years, and they just ended up getting mid round pick after mid round pick that they never used. So, if OKC is smart, they'll compile those picks for a star and not let them go to waste. Yeah, I don't know what it takes contract wise. They got Al Horford making 30 mil on there. Do it, OKC. Yeah. Go nuts. Go nuts! You heard it here on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, your last round pick, this is a fun one. Chris Boucher, the Toronto front court yep. got real interesting with Gasol and Serge gone. I know they brought in Aaron Baines, but that still leaves a lot of minutes floating around out there. Yep, so I see it shaking out. The best case scenario for Boucher right now is, I think, 24 minutes. And I'm about to make our friend Bogman. I'm doing per 24 stats here. <laughs> so I got 12.1 points, 8.1 rebounds, 1 assist, 0.7 steals, 1.8 blocks, and 1.1 triples. That's a top 75 player, but he has to be in a timeshare with Aaron Baines to get that to hit that uh, mark. So, and I think that's very possible. Aaron Baines is not—he's a good player. He's just not durable, and I don't think he can handle more than 24 minutes. So, I think a, a dead even timeshare between them would be fantasy gold for Boucher. Do you think Boucher could see three, four minutes at a backup power forward spot? Would they try him sliding down just a little bit, even for a couple minutes here and there? I think so. He's athletic enough. I mean, yeah. there's not many people with his athleticism, so I definitely think so. Plus, he's skinny, too. I actually think he's better suited as a four. I was going to say, he's not, he's not a hulking sword. He can play center, but he's he's a little more wiry, young. Fa- How old is right. he? Is he like 21? He's a pretty young guy. He's actually, he? No, he's like 27, 28. Seriously? He's a guy that missed a, <laughs> yeah, he missed a lot of time coming out of college with a, a very, very bad knee injury, and he his warriors. He, he slowly crawled his way into fantasy oh, you're uh, right. relevance, but man. He's a beast. Wow. Yeah, he is. He's 27. That blows my mind. He's He's got this sort of yeah. wiry frame of you figure a guy coming, you know, a year or two right. out of college, but he just he sort of never got giant. Uh, it's like yeah, KD never filled out. Yeah, but 
Wow, that's uh, that that boggled my mind. You learn something new every day. Uh, all right, so that's the team. But Jonas, before I let you go, I got to do the one thing that the this is what I like to call the present at the end of the pod hit. Um, okay. The young the the kids like to call them sleepers. I like to call them value plays. Can you throw the audience one of your favorite value plays this year? I think a lot of people are going to have this guy as their favorite value play. I have Darius Basley. Mm, we I, we yeah. saw him in the seeding the seeding games was a monster when they were wrestling the Thunder were wrestling players. Um, this is a six foot nine guy. He can do a little bit of everything. Like he coming out of college, he could not. He didn't play in college. Obviously, he sat that the whole year for. I think he worked for New Balance. The internship thing it was a whole thing. It was a whole mess. But anyway, this is a six foot nine guy who suddenly can start firing away from deep. I think he had like three triples in the bubble the last four seeding games um, per game, I should say. A six foot nine guy that can handle pass and shoot excellent numbers across the board a great block rate one of the best block rates for his first position and the thunder like on paper yeah they might look bad but they're still going to be competitive and they're still going to run uh throw out a competitive lineup so sga lou dort darius basley whoever whoever we're going to start at small four power four whatever <laughs> and al horford's going to make all of them better so yep. there's a lot of upside there for Basley, I like it. Gets yeah. 28 minutes, which we're all expecting them to be. So yeah, I'm with you. There's there's usage coming out of the heavens in, on that team. Uh, I was actually just talking about them. We'll give pull back the curtain a little bit. We're recording this on Monday the seventh. I actually talked about the Thunder a, as part of a sweep through the Northwest Division on the podcast earlier today, and he was a name that I sort of paused on for a minute because it's like, look, they lost Gallo, Schroeder. Chris Paul, Steven Adams, like everyone that took any shots on that team aside from Shea is gone. And they didn't yep. replace any of them with uh, I, I, even a medium usage guy. Like Al Horford, ultra low usage center, is the highest usage guy that came in to Oklahoma City in this offseason so far. So it's like yep. someone's got to take a damn shot on that team. There's 48 minutes of basketball. I, I pulled up his stats, too. So his last five games in the bubble was 17.4 points, 7.6 rebounds, 2.2 assists, one blocks, 0.6 deals, and 3.2 triples in 29 minutes. And this is a guy that right now you could probably get with your last round pick. Yeah. I don't know if he's even getting drafted in a lot of drafts. Right. Mm. So I love him. Uh, one more guy I got to throw out because I feel like we talked about him way early in the offseason. Michael Porter Jr., where are you at, where are you at on him? Dude, I'm confused on Michael Porter Jr. I thought, I, I totally misread the public on this one. I thought he was going to get drafted so high after that bubble run he had I agree. in the pre-playoff bubble in particular. Because the playoffs, he started to get beat up a bit by kind of big, yeah. strong veteran teams. But when he went nuts and he was like top five bubble guy, I thought, son of a bee, yeah. this dude's going to get drafted like top 30 next year. And he's nowhere to be found. He's going near 100. And suddenly it's this, it's like the Brandon Ingram thinking where it's like, well, I mean, I, I planned on not drafting him anywhere. And now he's falling so far that I'm like, well, I guess maybe I could take a flyer on him. He's he's one of those total re uh, like reassessment guys for me where I had written him off for four months. And now I got to go back to my drawing board and think, OK, where can this dude, can he carve out enough of a role? Regular season does suit him better. I'm probably still not going to get that much of him, but I'm way more in now than I was when I thought he was getting drafted yeah. four or five rounds sooner. What about yourself? Take him in the fourth round right now after hearing Malone talk yesterday. So Malone basically said, we don't have defense this year. We're just going to go out and score 130 points per game and not care about defense. That's basically what he said. Huh. So Michael Porter Jr., like you said, was run off the floor in the playoffs because he couldn't play defense. But when he did play, like you said, a first-round value, he he went at pick 66 in this draft. I was going to take him right before uh, he got sniped by, obviously, Kyle sniped him again. I took Alonzo Ball right after, but 66, <laughs> I think that's the best pick of the draft, in my opinion. Can you believe that his Yahoo ADP is 98 right now? It's insane. How did insane. this happen? Uh, by the way, in today's live draft, Steve took him uh, in the third round, so he wasn't messing around. People, <laughs> there's a lot. There's people. You're either in or you're way out. That's, that's, I think he's the most polarizing player in fantasy basketball right now, and man, I'm in. Especially at that ADP we're seeing, Dan. Holy, there's so much upside there. Yeah, that's crazy. How did this? You know, Jeremy Grant is gone, which was one of the main roadblocks. I know they brought in Jamichael Green, but he sort of trends towards the bigger spots in that. Like yeah. he's a four, but he's more of a four five. Where Grant was a four, but he's more of a three four. Uh, right. Which I think Porter, you probably call kind of a three four type. Also, I, I just 
I cannot tell you how wrong I was in where I thought he would be his ADP would was going to be this year. I I'm I'm rare like there are guys where I don't know where they're going to go and I'm curious. This one I thought, okay, I have a I am curious, but I think I have an idea and I'm I'm off by 50 slots. I thought he was going in the top 50 yeah. and he's going around 100. How did this happen? I don't know. I'm with you, man. I thought he'd be going way higher than what he's been, what I've been seeing lately. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Michael Porter Jr. Like you said, like this is just too tasty. He's gonna move up. The his ADP is gonna yes. trend up, right? Yes. Yeah. You should be drafting right now. As soon as you hear this, go <laughs> yeah, but, it's gonna move up fast. I was gonna say my drafts are all in like a week and a half. By the time I have them, he's his ADP yeah. is gonna be 55, and this conversation's yep. gonna be moot. So. Screw it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stop the stop the pod. Go do a damn draft right now. <laughs> Tell your league mates you got to do it this second or it's not happening. Uh, the marvelous, yep. the wonderful, the incredible, the inimitable Jonas Nader. It's so nice to talk to you again, man. I can't wait to start doing our shows together this year. Yeah, this was a blast, man. And I get to talk to Bogwin tonight for the ITL show. So yeah, it's, it's been there a great you go. day catching up with everyone. You so. gotta, you gotta hammer him on uh, Mitchell Robinson and tell them that you oh, also hammered him for it here on this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for it. Just man. let, just let the poor dude have it. Un, unload. Yeah. Although he did, uh, when I went on with them last week, they did clown on you for your Trey Young hatred. So be, be ready oh, for that. Oh, that's completely fair. I, yeah, I completely missed the mark on that one. <laughs> well, you and me both. The only reason yeah. I didn't take it is uh, like quite on the chin the way you did is that uh you had like your daily i hate trey young stats and right. i hate i hated him much <laughs> those more have quietly suddenly disappeared I mean, yeah was like... <laughs> i was much more quiet in my i don't believe this yeah. is happening thing uh he is at jonas nader j-o-n-a-s-n-a-d-e-r on twitter he is a writer at nbc sports and roto world you know him you love him jonas uh can we do this again next month of course let's do it damn right thanks man what about yourself? I'll say we never don't have a good time when I talk to Jonas. Laser focused. That's that's the key. He's got stats on stats on stats. I love the uh, <laughs> he's going to do part 24s for Bogman. Um, that is, by the way, that's uh, a throwback. When we talk about when, when we do our real big three shows, myself, Jonas, and uh, Bogman over on the In This League channel, one of the things that Bogman loves to torture Jonas about are per 36s because there's only like 10 guys in the whole NBA that actually play 30, 36 minutes a game. So doing a per 36 is kind of silly. Like there were, uh, there were six guys in the entire NBA who played 36 minutes a game last year. If you include uh, the bubble and some, com- some combination of playoff games, if you go back and you do the pre-bubble stuff, it was, let's see, what did we have last year? Pre-bubble... Dame led the league in minutes per game. Then Harden, Lowry, Booker, Beal, McCollum. That was it. That's it. Six guys who had 36 minutes a game. So anyway, Bogman would love to torture him about it. So Jonas getting a little, you know, semi. I don't want to call it a shot coming back the other direction. But anyway, uh, fun conversation as always with the great Jonas Nader. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Breaking down his team and, and some of the guys that he's got his eye on. A couple of things that I didn't mention at the very beginning of today's show that I will mention now is that we are basically closed off now on hoop ball leagues. The our, our butter, uh, I mean Andre, Commissioner Andre. That's what you guys have to call him now, by the way. Commissioner Andre doing an incredible job of running those things. Yeah, I mean, shout out Andre, you're kicking butt, man. Um, managing the wait list has been, I know, a heavy lift. We've opened, I think, three or four additional leagues since we said, well, we're onto the wait list now because we, we think we're closing it off. Well, I'm pretty sure we're closing it off now because the season starts in eight days. You guys have been doing a nice job of getting through these slow drafts in only five or six days, but that also means we are running out of days. So, officially, last call. You You probably won't get into a league this year. But you just never know. So hit me up on Twitter at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoopdashball.com to get yourself in a hoopball league or on the wait list for this year. And if you're on the wait list, we'll email you next year as part of that first wave of returning customers, so to speak. So that's a, a good reason to hit me up and, uh, and get yourself on the list right now. Uh, also, thank you to everybody that's reached out with the DFS openings uh we brought on i think a couple of people already in the last week so they moved through the application process really fast we are also looking for blurbers 
Today's the call for blurbers. If you want to be part of our fantasy writing team, it's a grind, man. We're going we're gonna to put you in the fire, and we're going to turn you into something special. So hit me up again same way, at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Uh, I want to talk about these draft results because we really haven't. We haven't. We, we sort of jumped right over it, but today we'll get through a chunk of them. We'll probably get through another chunk or two over the next couple of days. I would also like to do an ESPN Ranks episode at some point this week. I know they are... Um, I mean, look, I, they're stupid. There isn't another word for them. The ESPN Ranks are stupid. But... We do need to talk about them because there's built-in value there the way that they structured their rankings. Their ADPs are based heavily on points leagues. So if you're on ESPN and you're doing a category league, you can just you can just run the, the damn table. Let's talk about draft results. We talked about Jonas's team already, so you already know where he got his guys. But let's start at the very top. And it doesn't even matter what team got these guys. I just want you to, to hear the order they went in. This was, by the way, remember, this was before the uh, John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade. So this uh, this draft now took place almost two weeks ago, so it's getting a little bit out of date, although, uh, you know, uh, it's still fairly relevant. So I do want to move through it kind of fast just because it is a bit dated, uh, but a lot of you have been asking about the results from this, so so we'll just pour our way through it. This is for a nine-category Roto draft. Uh, James Harden, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum were the top sixth. Uh, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Trey Young. That is your first round. Here are the standouts. That's what we're going to do. We're going to power through these things, but we're going to talk about the interesting guys in each round. In this one, uh, I thought it was somewhat interesting that Dame went in front of Steph just because the upside with Curry is higher. Not all that interesting that Cat went in front of AD. That You know, one guy's there, you, you expect him to play more games. You don't really know how it's going to go, but that one didn't jump out to me as shocking. Jason Tatum at six, as we talked about with Jonas, is not really as crazy as it sounded. Jokic probably should be going in front of Tatum. You could make an argument for a couple other guys here. But, you know, in terms of, like, a Luka, who's going crazy early in most drafts, the fact that he went at seven in this is relatively late for him, and I think some of that is because this draft happened two weeks ago. Uh, just not really built for nine-cat Roto. That's kind of not his format. Almost every other format is. Points leagues, monster. Eight-cat, monster. Even nine-cat head-to-head, where you can sort of dump a category here and there. Monster. But nine-cat Roto, the free throw percent thing, the, the turnover thing, those are real. This is why he wasn't able to get inside the top 20 last year. He had those two glaring holes in... Otherwise, one of the most impressive fantasy seasons in a long while. You know, it was like Russell Westbrook light from a couple years ago. I mean, it was a crazy year for Luka, and it just, from a fantasy perspective, there were there were too many negatives. Not too many, I guess. Too big. Not a ton of them, but they were giant. Giannis going at nine, I thought, was a sign of who was in this draft. This is an expert draft, and he's... You just, you can't, in a roto draft, again, you just can't blow a top pick on a guy like that. What if he tanks your free throw percent? You can't afford to have a first rounder who costs you one whole category. We've said this a million times before, but it's so very true. You don't win your draft in the first round. You can lose it. I liked Kawhi Leonard at 10. It seems like he's falling in drafts. The load management stuff is scaring a lot of people, but who's not getting managed? LeBron at 11 bit early, I think, for me, um, but not by a ton. I mean, he's going to go somewhere in this range. He's going to be good. He's going to rest some games, but it's not going to be overwhelming. And then Trey Young falling all the way to 12, I thought was very surprising. He's shown himself to be oddly durable uh, to this point, and um, he plays a ton of minutes, and he's, and he's going to run that offense, as per usual. So I thought it was kind of interesting that he fell that far. Round two of this draft, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, John Collins, Jimmy Butler, DeAndre Ayton, and Jamal Murray. Surprises in this one. I thought Joel Embiid going at 13 was real early, uh, largely because he simply hasn't shown the ability to stay on a basketball court for an entire year. You just, like, you know, I get it. There's this thing, and, and it's accurate. Uh, guys are either injury-prone until they're not, or they're healthy until they're not. 
like we saw with Carl Anthony Towns last year. But you kind of want to see an example of both before you believe that it could be both. Where with Cat, you always know a guy is only healthy until he gets hurt. But it doesn't really, it's not the same both directions. So let me try to explain what I mean by, by finding that equilibrium. If someone has played most of the games in their NBA career, eventually they're going to have an injury. No one has an entire NBA career without getting hurt. You just hope that they're not big ones. There are, however, guys that do go an entire NBA career without playing a fully healthy season. So to say someone is durable or injury-prone isn't, it doesn't really tell the entire story. Like right now, Trey Young seems to be pretty durable. I would venture to guess that over the next decade, he'll have a season where he doesn't play most of the games. That's a wrong way to phrase that. That, that. I picked my words poorly. He'll have a season where he doesn't play like 85% of his games. He'll probably do it a lot of the time, but there will be a season in there where, you know, he has a bad ankle sprain or he has a bad hamstring thing, and he has to sit out for like a month. It's just going to happen. Even if you're durable, eventually it's going to happen. Whereas on the other side, that's not always the case. You know, Kyrie Irving has missed games every year for, like, the better part of the last seven or eight years, pretty much. There's, like, one example in there of him seeming mostly durable for a year. It just, it's not the other way around. So when you talk about a guy like Joel Embiid and to th- to try to apply that same philosophy to him, well, you know, he's injury-prone until he's not, yeah, but he hasn't yet shown us that he can ever not miss a bunch of games due to injury. We haven't seen it yet. It's not a stress reaction. Like with Drew Holiday, that cost him a bunch of playing time for a year or two. And Bradley Beal cost him a bunch. These guys get over those things. With with Embiid, something is just always breaking down. He, he's like the woolly mammoth out there. He's so strong, so powerful, but he's just his body isn't built for the rigors of a full NBA season. So I can't advocate him at 13. I'm not sure I can advocate for him almost anywhere. I mean, that's not true. If he fell into the third round, you'd probably grab him. But it's just not going to happen, so why bother? Bam Adebayo at 14. That wipes out pretty much all of his upside. I, mean, we can, I think we can probably safely agree on that. There isn't a whole lot. So this isn't. maybe this isn't entirely fair, but with some guys... You look at you try to figure out where the growth potential is. And without a bio, he was number 12 last year by totals. He played in all 65 of the Heat ball game. So I mean, that was great. But do we see that like he was 16, 10 and a half and 5, 1.2 steals, 1.3 blocks. The only thing you look at it and you're like, "Okay, well maybe he gets better at the free throw line." But can he be that durable again? It's a lot to bank on. So you get him at 14, you pretty much max him out. He ain't getting any better than that. But I get it because there just aren't centers that are worth taking on the turn. He's the closest thing to it. Embiid is too risky. He's too risky. And but so, you know, if you're stuck down there at pick 11, pick 12 in a 12-team league, knowing full well there just really aren't going to be centers near you in that first second round area, do you do what we've talked about a few times before, and then actually on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk to Adam Stock, who, who had the 12th pick, and he, he has some theories on this, of kind of what do you do in that spot, especially in a roto league where you don't want to be just bad at something. Do you try to shore it up later? Do you hope that maybe some centers get to you at the third, fourth turn? Do you go a little early on some guys that have been sort of, for the most part, going late fourth, early fifth, even mid-fifth? There's a lot of question marks there, so you get a little bit screwed. I, that's why I can't That's why I can't kill these a team for taking Bam around here because you're, you're not going to have a shot at a good center at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, unless you do a little reaching there also. And the second round has been a weird one this year. So, you know, like, do you, do you pass up on Bam and instead go for a slightly more sure thing, like, say... I mean, there really isn't one there, right? Like a, a like a Paul George probably finds himself with a better chance at per game value higher than Adebayo. You know, Jimmy Butler is going to have better per game stuff than Bam. But you know, you weigh the need for a center, the need for durability over some of the other stuff, and and so that's where you end up. 
Uh, Kevin Durant went next. That's about where he's been going in drafts. Bradley Beal, kind of same story. He could actually start to fall and become a value here. Uh, folks, I think, writing off his potential with Westbrook in town. It doesn't change things for Beal all that much, at least compared to what we thought he'd be doing with John Wall, which is a step down last year to this year. There's just never going to be as much usage with anyone coming back as a high-usage point guard next to him. But, uh, yeah, the, the falling is, may end up being a little bit too far. At this point, that again, that trade had not gone down. Devin Booker at 17, that's a pretty good spot for him. Shea at 18 is too early. You've now more or less wiped out his value, unless he plays in all 72 games. Again, durability can rocket guys up the board a little. But, you know, per game, right? You're not, like, you don't expect Shea to be number 18 on a per-game basis this year, do you? I don't. Kyrie, that's fine. You know, you take a shot in there. It's, it's risky. You better have a very safe first-round pick. I'm probably not doing it. You know, I know they're going to try to get him into 60 games this year, but the whole thing worries me a great deal, especially when there are some other options on the board, like a Paul George. This is one of my favorite early picks, uh, falling all the way to pick 20. The Josh Lloyd here, love that grab there. He should outperform that. John Collins at 21, that's good too. Jimmy Butler at 22, um, he's going to miss some games, but uh, you know he missed like almost a dozen games last year and he was still number 17. So even if you're in that ballpark... His per-game numbers are so good that he can often then make up for it. So Butler falling into the 20s now is he's now become a value. People are so petrified of him that he's fallen into value status. DeAndre Ayton at 23. I like that there. He'll probably go earlier in a lot of drafts. Jamal Murray at 24. I think that's a bit early on Jamal. Uh, again, you know, there's there's the, the durability element, which he has, you know, he's shown himself to be a pretty tough customer, but like, his per-game numbers last year were 50s, 60s range. Even if he does take a step forward, it's going to have to be a pretty good one, and he's going to have to stay on the floor all year. So uh, to me, that's just asking a bit too much. The uh, third round here, I don't want to go too much deeper in today's show just in general. You know, before we do the third one, I want to remind all you guys that there is one thing I do need you to get over at HoopBall, and that is the Fantasy Pass. It's $4.99 a month. I'm not begging you to do it. That would just be unbecoming of me. But please do check it out. Please do check it out. Go to hoop-ball.com. The Fantasy Pass is just $4.99 a month. It gets you access to the DFS Pass now, which has taken off. That is officially rolling with the preseason. Those guys putting together just a brilliant daily article. Uh, we're going to have DFS Discord chats. We're going to have full-season fantasy Discord chats. You get access to that with the in-season tools, as well as actual tools now statistical stuff that'll be available on the website uh, at opening night. It gets you access to the Brewski 150 and the draft guide all again, just $4.99 a month over at hoop-ball.com. Do check it out. It gets us going, man. It gets us rolling. We need you. We need you guys. This is, this is how we power the machine. This is how we get the engine going. Um... So yeah, that's the that's the fantasy pass. It's four ninety nine a month. By the way, if you want to get involved, uh, I guess I should. Geez, I, I should have plotted this one out a little bit more. I have a big announcement coming at the end of the show relating to uh, one of the things that Brew and I talked about on Friday. So stick with us here just a little bit longer. We're not quite done yet. Third round: Yusuf Nurkic, Donovan Mitchell, Freddie Van Vliet, Nikola uh, Vucevic, Rudy Gobert, Brandon Ingram, Christian Wood, Chris Paul, Pascal Siakam, Kristaps Porzingis, Ben Simmons, and Kyle Lowry. Uh, Nurk going at 25 was somewhat surprising. This is a bit earlier than his number lately, but not by much. He's been going in the early 30s. He's uh, seen his ADP rocket boost through the stratosphere and probably wipe out a lot of his value in the process. Donovan Mitchell, just a very safe play. He does have the durability card. So even though his per game stuff was actually not super impressive last year, his, his, uh, his total was number at 26. So, um, you know, right on the money here for that. I don't know that he can go too far beyond that mark, but, you know, you get yourself a relatively safe play, which I know I should be excited about, but I don't know. I don't like wiping out somebody's upside. Freddie Van Vliet at uh, 27, probably a little bit early for my taste because he has, with the Raptors, they play themselves into injuries, and so that's a thing. Vooch, 
I love this one actually here. Uh, he he's he's fallen so far this season. I know he's not exciting at all, but do, uh, do I need to remind everybody he was number twenty by totals last year just by missing some what seventeen eighteen percent of their ball games? If he's remotely healthy, he just annihilates this ADP. Rudy Gobert at twenty nine. That's fine. He'll probably beat that mark. Brandon Ingram at thirty. Yeah, I'm fine with that also. Christian Wood at 31, that's a bit early. You wipe out a lot of the... I mean, I guess there's a world where he passes that, but again, it's going to take a lot of durability. Chris Paul at 32. I talked to Bogman. I mean, I think Chris Paul could end up being a back-to-back value play. I thought for sure he would go earlier this year, but this is really where he's going. Pascal Siakam at 33. I like that uh, he was not super durable last year, which I think dropped him a bit. He was at 37 in totals ranks. Uh, but his numbers are very reliable. He's a 2-1-1 one, one guy at this point with decent percentages. He probably comes back with a little chip on his shoulder. You're going to see him playing some center, so maybe a few more rebounds and or blocks over the course of the calendar year. Uh, I like Pascal a lot. I, you know, there's a little bit of a post-type thing going on for him this season. So, you know, I, this may be also one of those guys where he's not going to start at center but he's going to log some center minutes. And and if you're in a league where that counts, you may end up getting center eligibility out of him by some point midway through the year. I wouldn't bank on it, but it's a distinct possibility. And so that adds a little bit more flavor, especially if he makes it to the end of this round for those teams that are kind of stuck, mired in the 11-12 slots. Although he didn't quite make it to those spots this time around. This would be the ninth pick of the third round. Kristaps Porzingis, late third. Yeah, no thank you. He's not starting the year healthy, so I'm right out on that one. Ben Simmons at 35. Yeah, actually, that's probably a value pick at this point. He was 32 by totals last year, despite being kind of for the first time a little dinged up. Uh, We'll see if, you know, the question, I guess, is does that back thing become more? Does it, is that lingering or is he over it now? Because that, that could be, uh, that could be a stinker. But he should he should beat end of third value if he's marginally healthy. And then Kyle Lowry, that's the same story. He should beat that if he's healthy. But, you know, he missed some, what, 12, 13 games last year. He was still number 30 by totals because he's going to play giant minutes and he's still the engine on that team. But I am genuinely concerned about his health. If he's falling all the way to the mid to late 30s, you almost have no choice. And that's what Adam did here. And we'll again, we'll talk to Adam about his team on tomorrow's show. But it it this is, by the way, we're going to pause this this mock draft breakdown. We'll do uh, we'll try to get through another three or four rounds tomorrow, maybe more. Look at some of the centers going near here. Siakam, not really a center. Uh, Porzingis, not healthy. The fourth round, which we haven't talked about yet. Uh, the next center eligible player to go off the board was Jaron Jackson Jr., who went at uh, 43, I believe. And then you get this run. Demonis Sabonis goes in there. JV, Aldridge, Mitchell Robinson, Miles Turner, Andre Drummond. All those guys went off the board before the next turn at the end of the fifth, beginning of the sixth. But these guys just aren't, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say luck of the draw a little bit, but the way things have fallen this year, the way that projections have gone and ADPs have gone, centers are just not landing near 12 and they're not landing near 36. So you kind of have no choice. Do you think Demonis Sabonis is healthy this year and can beat 36 by totals? He did last year. He was 27 by totals. He missed his time in the bubble. Remember, he was largely healthy during the regular season. So do you take Sabonis at 36, 37 and just say, well, screw it. Like, I know he's going generally around later than this, but I got to go get a guy. Do you dig deeper? Do you take a Valanchunas? Or, and this is probably what I'll do because... One thing, you know, one thing that almost never sits right in my gut on draft night is reaching way down the board and wiping out the upside of an early pick. You almost don't have a choice in those 11 and 12 slots. But if you don't, let's just say for sake of argument, you don't go reaching down the board and you end up you're on the turn. And the first round, you end up with two guys that you really like on the turn, two wings. Let's say you end up with Kawhi. You might end up with two Clippers, for all I know. You might end up with Kawhi and Paul George. Or you might end up with Kawhi and Devin Booker or Beal or something like that. 
Let's say you don't go reaching down the board for a Bam or an Aiton or an Embiid or something to that effect. All right, you got two stud wings or a wing and a, and a shooting guard. Your turn comes back around, end of third. There are point guards there. You pretty much have to make sure you get one of those point guards near the end of the third. It could be Chris Paul if he falls far enough. It could be Lowry, who we saw go here. Um, Maybe a Russell Westbrook if he's still on the board. I know there are things there that make you want to shake in your in your car seat or whatever you're <laughs> in your driver's seat or whatever you're listening to the pod right now. Uh, ben Simmons is technically point guard eligible. It's not the, you know, going to put a ding into your free throws and your three-point shooting, but there's a couple of those guys that are usually around at the end of the third. Um, or, you know, if you went two small forwards or a small forward to power forward early, you could take a Zach Levine, Chris Middleton relatively safe. There's a Rob Covington in that neck of the woods. So there are some options again, but really no centers in that zone. So now you get to the end of the fifth round. All your favorite centers in the fifth round are off the board, and you're left looking at a center list that's Thomas Bryant, Brooke Lopez. Um, if you want to go farther down the board, Al Horford, Wendell Carter Jr., Clint Capella. It really gets thin quick. So for whatever reason this year, and maybe one of those fifth-round centers does fall all the way to the end of the round. Like, in this particular draft, one, two, three, four, five centers went in the fifth round, and none of them made it to the end of the thing. So so maybe you count on your draft on one of those guys making it to the end, and you get one of your centers, and you're just you're feeling groovy. But if they don't make it, you could end up six rounds into this thing without a center. So you really do have to think about whether or not that which turn you dig into the bag of tricks a little bit you go get a Sabonis or a JV or whatever you know fifth round center you end up having to take in the early fourth you might not have a choice all right here's the big announcement article coming later today the Dan Bespris Aaron Bruski season win totals showdown and you can officially bet them now with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Sign up with promo code HOOPBALL when you sign up and get those futures, those season win totals wagers locked in. We have all of our leans in the article. Our top plays will be available to wager pass subscribers. That's just a $9.99 a month subscription to our HoopBall gaming division. And we are really excited to roll that out. This is going to be a heck of an article. It's over 11,000 words long. Woof. Yeah, it's a doozy. So that one's going to be a ton of fun. Again, make sure to sign up over at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL. We'll get you you squared away, man. We'll get you squared away with our season win totals information. And, of course, go get something at manscaped.com with promo code HOOPBALL20. Again, manscaped.com promo code is HOOPBALL20 on that one. That takes us to the end of today's show. Big thank you once again to the marvelous Jonas Nader. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Once again, I beg of you, follow me. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review the pod. You guys know the drill at this point. Check out the Fantasy Pass at HoopBall. Uh, last call for HoopBall leagues, I think for real this time. Recruiting, you want to write, hit me up. All that good stuff. We'll be back at you tomorrow talking to Adam Stock about punt strategies and drafting on the turn. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.